Jonah's prayer for deliverance is heard not only as prayer asking deliverance from drowning, but also and more finally as prayer asking deliverance from his dark and pungent place of captivity. The psalm, too, is not what it seems, or more precisely, it does not end up being what it had seemed to be at the beginning of our reading experience. Jonah's elaborate poetic utterance is cloaked in the garb of a prayer of lament. But as its rhetoric unfolds, incongruous notes are struck. The psalm is gradually revealed as a calculated attempt on the part of the unregenerate prophet to manipulate God while remaining unaccountable himself. First, God is named as the agent responsible for Jonah's being cast into the deep. This is perhaps true, but more importantly, untrue. It is untrue both in pragmatic terms, for the sailors cast him into the ocean at his own suggestion, and in the larger theological sense, for Jonah's disobedient flight from God in the first place is what has occasioned God's resorting to threatening measures with the storm. The ocean waves and billows pass over Jonah quite literally. Ironizing of the normally metaphorical language of the Psalms is evident here, and one could argue that Jonah is a willful misreader of Scripture, misapplying tropes in his own biblical heritage that were intended to signify spiritual realities. Relevant here, Marcus underlines the irony that the sailors and the king of Nineveh seem to be better acquainted with the Hebrew scriptures than is Jonah. Jonah reports that his response to God from the depths of the sea was, I have been driven away from your sight. An ironic claim since Jonah had chosen to flee from God's sight initially. This is Jonah's attempt to lay the blame for his current distance from God on God himself. Jonah nevertheless insists, Surely I shall look again upon your holy temple with an unexpected assurance born of either his trust in God, which would be out of character for Jonah, or, more likely, confidence in his own power to manipulate God into resolving the situation. According to the narration of the psalm, Jonah has thought all of this while sinking down through the ocean waters to hyperbolically mythical depths. His reported inner discourse serves to portray the action as a dramatized slow-motion fall into the briny deep. He then reports that he prayed from this deep place of furthest possible alienation from God and farthest possible distance from the oxygen that his lungs desperately needed. The urgency of the situation in both spiritual and pragmatic terms is conveyed so well that the reader becomes anxious for God's answer. We hold our breath with Jonah at the foot of the undersea mountains, our cells clamoring for the oxygen of God's response. And Jonah supplies it, just in case God might not have been inclined to heed his prayer. Jonah asserts that his prayer was received. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. Jonah claims boldly that he will now fulfill his vows something that would require that he get back onto dry land in order to do. Thus, Jonah's thanksgiving turns coercive and may be seen as manipulation, perhaps even as a subtle form of bribery of God. The fish, spoken to by God, vomits Jonah onto terra firma. What had God said to the obedient Leviathan? 
The silence here in the narrative is so huge it could engulf the entire city of Nineveh. It could have been simply a divine command to transport Jonah to dry land. But could God have delivered such a command to the fish without remarking on the incongruity of Jonah's words vis-à-vis -vis Jonah's character, not pious, or the plot as it has unfolded? Jonah was not in a position to demand anything, and yet has managed to extort safe passage so that he can pay his vows. Commentators have enjoyed suggesting that the fish vomits Jonah out because his newfound piety is nauseating in its hypocrisy. This is delightfully plausible. 